Hello and welcome to The A-List, the podcast that asks the world's top advertising professionals how they got started in the business. I'm Tom Chrisman, Chief Creative Officer and Partner at DeMassimo Goldstein, an inspiring action agency in New York City. Today, I got to talk to Tiffany Rolfe. She's a partner and chief creative officer at Co-Collective. We've spoken with Ty Montague, one of the founders of Co-Collective. In the past, he was actually episode number two or three. He did a great one, and Tiffany just did a great one as well. We talked about her giving up a scholarship to Oklahoma University and just trekking out to L.A. to make it huge in soap operas. Her jumping into uh, web design before it was a thing. Her then finding out about advertising and going and working at Crispin for 10 years to her new her new gig at Co-Collective, which is all about story doing and making. Uh, and it's a really, really interesting origin story. So uh, you're going to love it. But first, the A-List is brought to you by Ad House Advertising School. Advertising age called Ad House New York's newest, smallest, and arguably hippest ad school. Their philosophy, an ad class is only as relevant as a professional who teaches it. Ad house classes are taught by the best in the biz in the agencies where they work. You get 10 weeks of classes for just 600 bucks. To apply, go to adhousenyc.com. And for the latest news, follow AdHouseNYC on Facebook. Tiffany Rolfe, hello. Hi. Thanks for How coming you, in. Tom? This is one Good of those in-person ones, which is always more fun. Yeah. Oh, you do them not in person too? Um, yeah, we do them on the phone. We did uh, the first few we did on the phone. And now I, you're I so pro nobody... that you have like a real studio and a space. We and... always had this studio, but it was like <laughs> I, I now – I at first I assumed like nobody would ever want to talk to me. So uh, <laughs> the fact that people would get on the phone even, I was like, that's people great. People like talking, awesome. I think. But people love talking, especially and they about love themselves. Uh, they they <laughs> may or may not like me, but uh, the the – just the – kind of we found a really nice way to tell people about the people who make the ads which um not a lot of people know yeah who, the, the story behind stuff. the story yeah the people that are there was like a you know things. a whole vh1 series of, like for for musicians yeah so this is just we could like do that an extension the of ads. that <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah. she's she's now uh, painting houses <laughs> part-time yeah i know that, that's gonna be in the next couple of years that was like guns and roses <laughs> or something um, but what, uh, Tiffany Rolf, uh, you are now uh, a, a chief creative officer yeah, uh, and partner at, uh, at, at, Co, Co. at yeah. Co Collective. Uh, where where did you come from? Where did you grow up? Where were you born? Um, all of that? You want to know it all? Yeah, yeah. It's a long story. Yeah, where did you, you sure? come from? Um, where, what was it like uh, being Tiffany Rolf? Yeah, uh, Tiffany Rolf. So I was born in Venita, Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. So very small town in Oklahoma. Um, I, I like to tell the story that they, and it's true, that they have um, the world's largest McDonald's at the time. It's probably in Dubai now. Um, <laughs> and um, the Oklahoma State Mental Institution. So <laughs> Those like, are the two things. Yeah, those are the two claims to fame that they probably don't even have the claims to fame of anymore. Um, mostly then grew up in Tulsa, but we moved around a lot. So I was like a Navy, like an army brat without being in the army sort of thing. My dad did startups and stuff. Um, so I lived in like Joplin, Missouri for a couple of months and Portland, Oregon for like a year and various places, but all sort of kept coming back to Oklahoma, kind of, I guess it's in the center, you know, so right. we gravitated towards the center. Um, and then I just kind of wanted to move as far away from the center as possible. So I've been, yeah. I've lived on like almost every coast. And my first was, uh, I went to California. I did like the load up my car and move across country oh, stereotype. Wow. Um, 
and kind of fell into um, doing web startups and uh, like in in the mid '90s when yeah. it was the big boom, um, and started working at a website company and teaching myself how to program and design websites. And um, did that's thing, big, yeah, that's a big uh, leap. What yeah? What made you pack up the car and go? What was the? Were you? I were just you in didn't college want yet? to be. I was. I graduated college? high school. I had a scholarship to um, go to Oklahoma. Oklahoma um, University, uh, University, OU. Yeah. And then I was like, wait, what am I doing? Like, this is crazy. So um, I got out of there and— You I, just threw your scholarship I over threw your shoulder? It, yeah. You know, I like to just throw caution into the wind and— That's crazy. Um, yeah, it was a little crazy. Did people tell you it was crazy at the time? I think my parents told me it was crazy, but they were crazy right. her. So, right, right. Um, but, uh, you know, I think I wasn't sure what I wanted to do then. I knew— I thought that greatness maybe was like in Los Angeles, you know, maybe did, what, I would become a famous movie star or was that something. part of the picture? Like I don't maybe, know. Maybe I mean, I'll be a star. Um, my I had a cousin um, that was an actress and she was on like soap operas. Um, oh, which one? She was on All My Children and wow. Santa Barbara. Um, and she was from a, from childhood. She was an actress. So I was like, well, maybe I'll get into that. And then as soon as I got to L.A. and realized how sort of awful that was, that yeah. idea. And how I did not want to go through the audition process, the casting couch, that all, all yeah, the yeah. stuff that went along with it. Um, I sort of fell into, um, you know, working in the website design world because my neighbor happened to be an MIT grad starting an internet company. So it was sort of, ser- Literally like, you know, just yeah. kind of fell into it. Yeah. And, um, and it was a really cool time in that it was, you know, wild, wild west and we were doing websites for entertainment companies. We did like Disney's and Pixar's and um, and I could be like self-taught. I like taught myself how to program and design um, and, you know, and I was, I have, you know, a creative person um, from growing up, like I could always sort of draw and um, my mother's more of an artist. My grandmother's an artist. So I have, you know, creativity that runs in the family. And so then- you knew you, you had that in you. I had it in me. And then I also, my dad's always been- into startups and things like that. Um, so I kind of had that blend of business and creativity that mm-hmm. um, probably is perfect for advertising, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, and then I learned a lot about design sort of after I had already started doing it, like mm-hmm. what kerning and letting meant and right. how to how things can look good or not good, you know. <laughs> but you just started doing it. You, I just you started weren't doing going it. to school. You were uh, there no. at that point. Was there even like YouTube teaching you to do oh, no. things like that? No, YouTube wasn't created for like another seven yeah. years or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there was there was barely internet. I mean, we had T one lines, so you know we were right. like some of the first to. Um, to have like real internet connection, but I was around people that had, that were learned, had learned it already and right. um, were starting to do it. But a lot of it was like, we just figured it out. There were lots of books. There were these yeah. things called books that yeah. you would read. Right. Yeah. They <laughs> and still so exist. I would get like big, you know, JavaScript and HTML books and they mm-hmm. weren't, there were no like, you know, text editor, HTML, you had to program it by hand and right. um, there was Photoshop, but it didn't even have layers yet. Right. So if you messed up, you Whoa. like started over. Um, yeah. So there were like pads and things like that in it. But so, um, so yeah, I, I, I just started doing it, you know, and, yeah. um, and I could write. So I would write like ideas for the websites. Um, you know, I think one of the first ones was 
I was doing things like Little Mermaid and George of the Jungle. And then we did like uh, Bugs Life with Pixar. And right. and um, no one really knew what they were doing, I think. So right. it didn't, we knew as much as anyone in terms of what a website was and what it should be. So yeah. and we were probably the only ones looking at it. So we got to write language for the character, the Disney characters, like, you know, all really? this stuff. Yeah, it was like, no, I don't think they, <laughs> it was off limits. There was, you know, you could do yeah. whatever. So like I wrote lines. Web, so yeah, no one's going to Exactly. Can, yeah. So that was sort of um, how I learned. And then I had people coming through that had gone to like CalArts and um, Art Center. And so I ended Meaning up- Meaning like freelancers? Freelancers or, or designers we would hire because I started to be like kind of pretty significant in this little startup yeah. and um, learned about, you know, going to school through for all these other things. Now, most of the schools though didn't have any digital programs, so they had learned how to design, but- right not really program or anything like that. So I, um, but I wanted to get a degree finally, you know, um, yeah. and You're I, like, okay, this is now a career, Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah. And I wanted to be legit. At what point did legit. that happen? Like, were you like, was there a, was there a middle point? And, and a lot of people listening to this are like just starting to sort of either get into the business yeah. or like they want to change what they're doing and they're yeah. like thinking about throwing everything to the side and doing it. At what point were you like, okay, I'm doing this as a thing now and yeah. there's no other. Well, it was interesting. Choice. Like I was in the web boom when it was like, I could have either been like a multimillionaire mm-hmm. or everything was going to go to shit, you yeah. know? And, um, and it was like, like we all saw writing on the wall that, you know, stuff was starting to crumble and there were all these startups happening and, right. you know, lots of investments being made in all these companies and stuff. And, um, and I did want to go to school and I now had a bug for like, create, you know, design and, you know, Mm -hmm. creating in new ways. And, um, and so I sort of just did it on the side initially, but realized, um, that that's, you know, to do really well and in a program, it's tough. So I, um, you know, focused more of my time on going to school, um, and just worked really hard at it and then ended up falling into advertising in a way because there was like nothing that was really matched what I was doing in the real world because we are sort of like pioneers in doing that. So right. doing um, what? What we pioneers Like website doing? design, programming, like some of the first. Um, what was company called, was that? that it was called, um, there were a couple of different ones, Light Entertainment, mm-hmm. Entertainment with an I, like internet. Oh. Yeah, it was very clever. Um, and then another one that was Diablo Entertainment, which like D as in a D drive, which was, I can't even remember, but it was some dorky computer thing. Yes. Uh, um, and we were, you know, like Flash. Dorky, I think everyone, is Yeah, dorky, D- dorky for dorky. Um, Flash was a thing, but it was called like Super Splash, and we were beta testing that, and Macromedia Shockwave was a, right. was, was a thing. That. And I was, we, we did like the play. first Shockwave website on the internet for this Charlie Sheen movie called The Arrival. It was like in the paper. Uh-huh. Um, so it was, it was cool and exciting, but at the same time, I kind of knew I could be better, and I then wanted to get more into the create, you know, even more creative, um, and know what it meant to really design. And um, right. so I went to Art Center um, and tried to find some sort of program that matched Pasadena. up with my skills in Pasadena. And they they didn't have anything, but they had advertising, which was kind of an interesting mix of understanding business, but designing, but writing doing mm-hmm. strategy. There was a lot of different things. It wasn't like, I'm just going to go into graphic design deep or whatever. Right. Um, and so I took a night class um, and I just was kind of 
picked it up really easily and had a really good time doing it and yeah. ended up getting a scholarship um, at Art Center in Pasadena, like oh, a wow. pretty good one. That's great. Um, and so I then ended up going to Art Center and graduating with an advertising degree. And that's sort of where I discovered advertising yeah. through like the process of going to school and having to, you know, nerd out on all the right. award show annuals and things like that that everyone yeah. did back then. And what did you, what, what were the places that you were like, oh, I want to work there, I want to work there, I'd love to work for that person. Yeah, I mean, um, there were there, that, there were know? a couple, but really, Crispin actually stood out um, for me. There was they, they had, were just getting they were just getting going, and yeah. maybe were there were like fifty people at the time in and, Miami only. Yeah, in Miami only, and um, there were some things that were like um, there was this video game ad that I remember that was like this bloody windshield. It was really like graphic, and it was just like a like a swipe windshield wiper that was just looked like blood all around it or something. I just still kind of remember that notion of an ad. Right. And they also were doing, I think they were doing just truth, but in Florida, uh-huh. um, which was the anti-smoking campaign. Right. Um, and, and one of someone, um, had judged a student award show that I won that was a creative director there. So I sort of became familiar with them and yeah. they were doing, everything was about gorilla advertising mm-hmm, then. Mm-hmm. And they were small enough. They didn't really do much TV or anything, but they were doing all these interesting sort of social experiments or starting to do things like with the, with truth. Yeah. Um, and then while I, like right before I graduated, I think they got, um, maybe Ikea and then the lamp spot came out, which yeah. was really, Ari you know, Merkin's, amazing. Uh, yeah. Lamp spot. Look so, it up. yeah. So I made, um, I made a, uh, I basically, Got a plane ticket right after I graduated. I gave myself three months. Um, was going to go to Miami. I was working then on trying to get a hookup into the agency. Mm-hmm. And how, find, when you say working on getting a hookup, like well, how does, like how does I, Tiffany? You're not Tiffany yeah. Rolfe at this point. Yeah, no, you're I'm Tiffany, just. Who, who? I was Tiffany Cosell at that point. Tiffany Cosell. <laughs> so how does Tiffany Cosell? Any re, any relation to Howard Cosell? No. Okay. Uh, how does Tiffany Cosell? Uh, <clears throat> get uh, a hookup into yeah. uh, you got to you like, know you work all angles uh teachers were a big thing i mean that yeah. was part of i think what's great about going to school is you know you shape your portfolio and so they can sometimes advise you and help you and they also have judged shows and they've been in the business long enough that they everyone kind of starts to know each other so i was using i was trying to go through some teachers i also um reached out to the person that judged the award show that I had kind of discovered them on that had had chosen my work. Mm-hmm. Um, and Who wrote, was that? Um, there were two people that were part of it. Um, there was Rob Strasberg, mm-hmm. um, who ended up then going to Donor and kind of running that. And this mm-hmm. guy, Dave Clemens, was another one. Mm-hmm. Um, and both had been at Crispin for a long time. Um, I also then had done this, like, couple of freelance projects while I was in school, you know, probably for free. Yeah. Um, and one of the people that I worked with at this freelance project, you know, had mentioned to me he knew someone at Crispin. So yeah. you just work all angles. Yeah. Um, you hustle, you know, yeah. and, and and then I actually didn't know I had an interview even until I had gotten off the plane. Um, and I finally had my teacher. I was like, I'm, I was, I remember calling them. I was like, I am on my way to Miami. 
and I really need your help because mm-hmm. I am going to just show up on their doorstep and they're going to think I'm a freak. Mm-hmm. And um, it was Artie Tan, who mm-hmm. was sort of, you know, pretty iconic ad ad guy. And yeah. um, he was like, okay, I got a hold of Alex. If you can be there in an hour, and this was off a of red eye, um, you can meet with him. And uh, so I showed up and I interviewed for about 10 hours, like two days in a row. And then I did stay there for 10 years. <laughs> yeah, you were there a long time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what do you think got you the job? How did you, how were those you interviews? Know, um, what, were the, what were the things that you said or, or? Part of it is the book, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I spent time, you know, making the book what I thought rep- best represented me. And I remember showing to some people and they would be like, well, you know, people like to see this in there. They don't, they don't really want you to put in writing if you're an art director or, mm-hmm. you know, I had like products that I had made and I made this book and I had some like onesies, you know, from H&R Block. I don't know. I had all this random stuff, right? Yeah. Um, and I had written these stories, these fiction stories for our um, our magazine at Art Center. And I just had a mix of, it was like a show and tell of me, you know? Yeah. Um, and then I had some websites in there that people were always confused by at the time because everyone was still kind of figuring them out. Um, yeah. And I But they kinda, were real websites. They weren't just like, it would be cool. Yeah, no, these were real, like, actual this. websites. That's what I hate but, about when, <laughs> when a lot of young people bring in apps, app yeah. ideas, and you're just yeah. like, yeah, that's just great <laughs> if an app could do that, but yeah. it can't because of this, that, and the other thing. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, making things. So these were websites yeah. that you These were all made. things I made, you know? Yeah. Um, and in some ways, like, there were, yeah, it was like things were produced and made, and it was— not just paper. It was there were things to touch, and I like and I built the made. book myself. What yeah. was the book about? Um, well, the there was like a when I say book I meant the portfolio sure, case, but sure. then Mag, I had written some articles and stories, short okay. stories and things as well. There was actually one book. That's true. So right, you said, you said I tried to turn everything that. into an opportunity to to show that I could think like as you know I could brand, but it didn't have to be an ad. So for right. instance, um, I took this design class. And I was on an advertising track, but I would always try to take classes that were off the track, you know. And mm-hmm. so I took this design class, this book design class, and everyone else um, had um, created like this piece within and in the book. And I actually did the table of contents because I was like, that to me is is I'm advertising the stories in the right. in the book. So right. I created like some sort of ad for each story essentially. Right. Right. Um, and so in the beginning of the book, you opened it up and there were like, instead of just a table of contents, I did 10 different kinds of ads, you know, for right. each one of the stories to try to promote each of these stories within the book. So I right. would, you know, find ways to translate um, the idea of advertising, but in a totally different way. So, and then we had built this actual book so I got to, you know, and, and in that one book, I had kind of 10 ads for 10 different stories. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a brand, but it was something that, you know, you wanted to consume. And right. what do I do? What little experience can I create to help you get excited about then diving into this longer story? And yeah. so I would, you know, find ways to to translate, um, you know, advertising into a, a different form factor or something. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, I, when I had showed it to some teachers, um, they— we're like, this is cool, but this is a little bit weird, or they might not know what to do with you. It's not an ad. Yeah, and or are you a writer, or are you an art director, or are you a whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. And for me, it was like, rather than trying to make myself as marketable to as many people as possible, I was like, how I'm going to go and get this job 
And I knew, for, at least from what I interpreted, Crispin was open to different kinds of things. You know, they weren't doing yeah. advertising like you would expect um, mm-hmm. and coming at it from a different angle. So um, so I kind of, you know, I sort of was like, hey, this is me and I feel like this is the right match for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I've am i been pretty good at finding places like that are a good match and then I stay there for a long time. Yeah. So I'm, like I narrow in on the right combination of things on like where I'm at and what, what is what is interesting, but what I can add to that, you know, culture. Yeah. So it, uh, I showed it and that was like the perfect book for them, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, looking back, it's like, yeah. that's what they wanted yeah. to see. Yeah. And, and I had, and you know, we, they had started to get a lot into interactive digital type things. And I was one of the first people that had kind of come with that background also. Yeah. So, um, it was an opportunity for me to take this, this background that I had that no one knew what to do with, plus mix it with marketing, advertising and, and put it together in a new way. Super smart. And the fact that you ended up at Crispin and they hired you, obviously got hired. Uh, you started what that, that day that I started like, I think I actually had to go back and get my stuff. Um, (laughs) but I started like a couple of weeks later and um, I started, they had just moved into a new office. I had interviewed at their old office where they were like on a pile of boxes. I was sitting like on a pile of boxes mm-hmm. in Alex's office and each one of them, you know, you could tell it was a really interesting culture. They, you know, asked all kinds of crazy questions of me and, um, Alex interviewed me with, um, this guy that, uh, that runs um, Radical Media, John Kamen, mm-hmm. you know, who's yep. pretty famous in the biz. Yep. He happened to be in my entire interview, so he always takes credit for me getting hired, you know. <laughs> um, but it was, uh, it was, you know, you could just tell something was happening there. When I, the first day I started at the new office, it was the day they had won uh, Virgin Atlantic. Wow. And there were like a thousand paper airplanes on the floor. So it was like this amazing thing to walk into. And it was just like red paper airplanes, like littering the whole building. That was like their their presentation, you know, as, as the client walked in yeah, and, um, and I, you know, uh, they kind of threw you into it. Like you didn't really have any training program. There was this amazing, um, you know, your first day onboarding booklet, um, that I just found the other day. Oh, wow. Um, and, uh, I, I should have, I, I can share it with you, but there's yeah. some, there was some Is that something we there. could share with everybody? I think like, so. It's okay. online. I found okay. it online. And um, you have to it's you have to kind of squint to read it because it's very low res. But there were some just kernels in there just about how people worked and jumping on grenades, like always being there to like jump in and help people. And the idea of doing, which is really funny because yeah. now, you know, we as we transition into co and story yeah. doing, like there's a title that's like, we do stuff. And it's like, we don't talk. We don't like, you know, just, you know, discuss, we make, you know, and yeah. I was like, wow, this philosophy has been like baked into yeah. my brain from the beginning. And, right. and also just being willing to turn everything into an opportunity. Like back then we would have random assignments, whether it was like, Hey, we inherited this space at, that you know, uh, Sundance, like for VW and we're not going to get a celebrity to host it anymore. Can you do something with it? You know, Mm. or, hey, there's this like little loyalty thing over here that no one wants to do. What do you want to do with it? And I always found those, those projects that sort of, you know, are the underdogs or don't have the eyeballs or even clients that no one really wants to work on become real big, you know, big opportunities. Like when I, for a young person. And I, you know, when I was even pitching like American Express Open, it was like the small business client, which yeah. was not very sexy compared to a lot of our other clients. Mm-hmm. And that became a really sexy, you know, small business Saturday. yeah. And, um, building open forum and, yeah. and so, uh, 
you know, I think as a young person starting out, not feeling like you have to have all the big assignments, but finding those little moments where you can really take them and own them and show, you know, what you can do with them when there's not as many eyeballs on them. Because then when something great happens, everyone's really, you know, surprised and amazed. So, So that, you know, and also just all kinds of stuff. Like I never was a creative person, maybe because I started an internet like world or whatever, but to me, creativity and expression and solving was never about like what the execution of the form factor was. It doesn't, why does it have to be a TV spot or an Mm -hmm. ad or whatever? And and what was really interesting about Crispin philosophy um, was like about, you know, what's the story that's out in the world? What's the headline that's going to be written? Which really wasn't because they wanted you to write a press release. It was more what is the end goal that we're trying right. to get to? What's you know? the feeling yeah. you want people to have? Yeah, and, where, and why, the... where does this like tap into culture in some way? Like, because if someone's going to write a headline about it, you you know, they're going to, it's going to connect to maybe something in culture. It's going to matter to people. Yeah. They're going to have to have lots of questions answered. So you kind of go there and then work backwards and yeah. go, what do we need to make and do to get that that result? Yeah. And so um, I, you know, I've always just liked do you still do that? Do you still? I do. I mean, I don't have to do it the... as literal anymore. Like right. where I have to, I used to like write them. Yeah. And I actually have examples of like where the outcome was sort of, I, I don't have those press releases from the beginning. I wish yeah. I still did, but yeah. I remember writing something to the regard. And then I would look for the article when the articles were eventually written and they were, you could see the parallel structure that's there. And a lot yeah. of the work um, at Crispin, you could find the press release going back to it. Um, and I think I just sort of do that naturally now and right. kind of go, you know, why do people care? How does this connect with people? What is this happening into in culture? Where's the momentum that the we can sort of ride on that, that that's happening or the seed of something that's about to happen that maybe we can amplify and be a part of, right? Right, right. Um, and uh, we've, and so, we've talked about that before yeah. uh, on this show of, of the Crispin. A lot of people on the show have, have been through Crispin. And one of the things that they do is that, you know, you write the press release for for yeah. the for the story. Uh, and I think a lot of people have heard that, but doing it is another thing. Like writing a press release, there is a form to it. Yeah. There's a reason there's a form to it. Um, try it on your next thing. You know, yeah. it's it's um, I think it's the kind of thing that it really does help you help your brain to. And, and yes, you can do it once you once you get it down, you yeah. can kind of do it in your head. But um Understanding why people are going to care is, is yeah, so and important. it's not so much. I think sometimes people, when I'd ask them to do it, they'd get caught up on like what's the um, form says yeah. Alex Bogusky from. They were thinking more of the work, like the yeah. framework, rather than at the core, like you know, what is the what is the what are the important questions? Like, why does this matter? Who is this? Where mm-hmm. is it? You know, like yeah. and and what then you know becomes the lead? What is the most compelling you know statement around this? That well, how do you boil it down to a really compelling? why does this matter statement? Mm-hmm. Um, it only has to be a few sentences really, but if you get yeah. that right, then you kind of know how to get there. You kind of yeah. go, oh, well, maybe it's it's not this, but it's that, you know, and we probably would need to make this sort of thing happen, you know? So you start to give yourself this brief that you can work backwards from. Yeah. Um, and also I think, um, like I believe, like at Crispin, we were able to make good work happen because we were also very strategic, you know? Mm. Um, People, I think, just thought sometimes we would do crazy, wild things. And it's like, how do you even sell that? But yeah. everything was was so connected. The dots were so connected from the, the strategy was like the first expression of the creative. And it was, we were really, you know, really there was a going, you know, around and symbiotic relationship between that. 
um, to where you knew it just poured ideas out of once you nailed that sort of core strategy. Right. Yeah. Um, and then how you set it up and take people on a journey to get there, even how you sold the idea, like yeah. you need to bring people along, you know, on that journey. Um, and it's interesting because at Co now I do that like literally, you mm. know, where you do workshops and you work with clients along the way. Back then it was, it was more of the go away, come back philosophy. However, you know, to get from this strategy to this idea can sometimes feel like a big leap. Yeah. How do you set up that idea, you know, and use storytelling as mm -hmm. a way to create a narrative that gets them to like shake their head as you go? So by the time you show the idea, they've almost come up with it in their head already, right? right. right? They're already like, there. Yeah, of course it would um, be a, a subservient chicken. Yeah, exactly. It's like around. obvious, you yeah, know, it duh. almost feels like duh. Um, and, uh, you know, and there's drama to it. There's excitement. You want them to feel like what that you know, customer and audience is going to feel. And yeah. so how do you bring people along? So even selling it through the, through the journey of like a meeting or whatever was as critical to the idea as the idea itself yeah. um, and how you got them there. And you, and you make people feel like it's theirs, you know, um, mm -hmm. and you know, you're, you're taking input from clients and you're rooting it in like their real, you know, business challenges. Um, so w it was a very high, like highly strategic place. It also, had, you know, everyone was aligned on this. There was not, we changed the, um, the names of like, it was never a, a account service. It was, they were called content managers. Mm. Um, and it was about, man, you know, managing these concepts, these ideas, you know, that we were all a part of. Like, how do we make work happen? Mm. It's not about servicing needs, but it really truly is about um, getting to the best core ideas and then nurturing those along the way. So, account people, strategists, producers, creatives, all had to be in service of the same mission, which is right. also how you get work sold and done. Because, you know, I think sometimes people think you just have this one idea and that sells everything, but all the pieces really have to be in place, I think, yeah. for it to work well. And everybody has to feel like it's their yeah, part of it. You're all aligned on the same mission, you know. Um, I feel like the, the one of the biggest things that uh, is, is a, a learning uh, thing for us is to hear what like a mistake that you made like rob riley famously uh in in the uh in his podcast maybe not famously out, out outside but like he talked about how he was kind of a jerk <laughs> and alex had to talk to him and be like yeah. hey man nobody likes you. he thought he was going to be like but that's okay and then he realized oh my god i'm gonna have to let you go if you're if you can't were there mistakes that you made uh, at the beginning or was there something where you were like oh my God, I, I think I just screwed up really bad, but then it turned out to be just a, yeah. a great learning experience well, for you. Um, I mean, there was there were so many mistakes I made. Sure. I mean, because I had there it was there was no training, you know? Mm -hmm. And that was what was kind of beautiful about it too, because you were just thrown in and there was like both this trust, but also survival of the fittest, yeah, you know, yeah. that I think happened. Yeah. I remember like it was the very first project, uh, the very first project I worked on um, at Chris, but it was like day one was this, um, the Concorde was being retired and it was for, um, it was for retiring of the Concorde from Virgin Atlantic. And it was like, felt yeah. like a good thing to do. So we made use of that moment, the cultural moment of that happening. Right. Um, so we had to quickly come up with like an ad, like overnight, yeah. right? And- um, Literally overnight. Literally yeah, overnight. Um, 
And I, you know, the idea was, I can't remember it exactly, but it was kind of like the idea of, you know, when you're in war and you're like, go on without me, you know, like, and it was like rock stars keep on rocking, you know, business, business stars keep on entrepreneuring. I don't know, something like that. Like go on without us, you know, Concord would have wanted it that way or something. And, but the, but but I remember getting this brief um, from, you know, our content manager, account person, and they briefed me and they said, so we don't have time for a photo shoot, blah, 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 blah. You know, just yeah, yeah, gave yeah. me all these like right. no's that you can't. Um, and so I was like looking on stock sites and and I didn't know. It was my first thing. I was like, I do what I'm told, right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember going into Alex's office and I shared with him and I was like, so, you know, I know we don't have money account don't have time for a shoots that's what they told me so I did, and I didn't know what that I was saying something bad you know yeah and he was like who oh he was like who told you you couldn't do a shoot and I was like oh Meredith you know again I didn't know I was like throwing her under the bus yeah 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 and he then he just calls Meredith he's like Meredith come to my office right now and he puts us both in a room and he goes so Meredith Tiffany told me you said she couldn't do a shoot <laughs> and she looks at me like God, fucking kill you. And I was like, wait, what? I did. And I didn't know I was like, you know, and so, but what it taught me, I think, especially there, it was like, you can do whatever, like go shoot it yourself. Like just don't have these like restrictions. Like why not figure it out? You know, but also know the reason why that restriction was said to you because she probably, you were new. Totally. She just didn't want you to go down a path. It it was both like no barriers on creativity, but also, Hey, you're a team. Any money (laughs) or time. You need to be a team. Yeah. 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 And, um, and you know, so it was like, where do you push? But also, Hey, she was helping me out in that regard, but I didn't even understand it, but it sort of taught me a little bit. It just about, also, something, you know, politics. be scrappy, but then at the same yeah. time, you're one team. And if you want that person on your team, yeah. you know, understand all the, the re- reasons around it. So that was just sort of a rookie move that oh I was God. like, great. Now everyone hates me, like right out of the, <laughs> right out of the gate. I'm like this tattletale. Um, so that, you know, uh, was one thing. And, you know, I never, when I would show him stuff, I never put restrictions on things. I never was like, we have to do it this way. Or the client right. said that. And our briefs never had um, the medium in them. Mm. We were not allowed to get told we needed, even if the client asked for like certain things, Yeah, we didn't ever get that in our brief, um, right. which is good to kind of, you know, maybe you end up there, but like, don't start there, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I think that was helpful. I mean, I think I learned things along the way. Like I remember the moment where I realized like I was like a leader to people. I, I was... One of my questions, <laughs> when did you become a leader? Yeah, no. When did you become a leader? I, d- I didn't, there, it was interesting. No, everyone had like the same titles when I started. There were no, um, you know, Rob Riley, for instance, had come from being an ECD at like Hill Holiday. Right, yeah. And he was like a writer. Yeah. And I had done a startup, but I was kind of out of school and I was an art director and there were no, and whoever's idea sort of won. And so, and then- over time, you know, we started to kind of become like different levels, but there were still not really titles. But I remember I wrote an email to someone and, you know, you write emails and you just kind of toss them out into the wind. And someone was like, you know, they were really upset. They thought you were mad at them in your note, you know, your email. And I was like, what do you mean? I'm just like Tiffany. I just like say stupid shit. And I'm like, rough around the edges or whatever. I'm just like asking, like I didn't even realize there was this, you know, it was that moment where I was like, wow, when I say things, like I, it's not just Tiffany anymore. I'm like their boss, Tiffany. Um, 
and you and know you have their their and uh, every their mortgage they, yeah. payment in your hands and so also I mean. just that they want me to like like what they do and they want to you know and they respect my opinion and mm-hmm. they want to do well and you know and bring me work that I like and I just had never seen myself that I was just like the same person you know and like right. I just I'm scrappy and I started here and I'm still doing the work you know yeah and so um, well that's the hardest part is yeah that when you start to become a leader, you're yeah. also still not a leader. Like yeah. you're, you're still doing stuff. There was no training program. Coach, you know? Like no one said this is what leaders do. And, yeah. I, I, you know, so it it took a while to understand that, you know, that when you just say things that they interpret them in all different ways, even just right. like, oh, I need more smiley faces in my emails or whatever yeah. it might be, or talking to them in person because you never know. Like yeah. when you're, when it's your boss saying something, you're going to interpret it through yeah. a different lens. Um, so that was just kind of a crazy thing to realize that people actually might be intimidate, intimidated by me. I'm like, right. how could anyone ever be intimidated by me? Right. <laughs> you know? yeah. I'm just this girl from Oklahoma. And so um, that but was just kind of a crazy. they saw you as somebody who had been there for a while yeah. now and was working at Crispin when it was hard to work at yeah. Crispin. And, and you're, uh, they wanted to, to please you. Yeah, uh, I was just at the small agency uh, conference, the Ad Age Small Agency yeah. Conference in uh, Marina Del Rey. And um one of the things that kept coming up in the talks, uh, David Eastman talked about, he's at, uh, at uh, where is he now? Anyway, I'm going to forget. Uh, I'll remember. But uh, David Eastman said, uh, when you walk by people in the hall and you don't smile at them, that person may go into like a complete <clears throat> funk yeah. of like, you know, when you're a leader, everything you do matters. Yeah, at all the times. little movements and actions, everything um, matters, you know. Nancy Hill talked about uh, you are. You are the flight attendant on the on the plane that never lands, <laughs> because like when you're a flight attendant, you can't show any fear yeah. or worry or like even upsetness, yeah. because like people are in a situation where they need you to be calm. Totally. And um, I've been on a plane where they have shown fear, and yeah. I like ha- I basically had like problems flying for like three years because y- of it. <laughs> yeah, and that that's what we're that's what we are. Yeah. We're we're the we're the flight attendants on these on these little flights and. Uh, so, so what made you what what made you leave Crispin? What was the you were there for ten years? You met your you met your husband there. Yeah, everybody meets their their significant other at uh, at Crispin. I, I know. Found. I feel like that's true. Like you there's something marry. about going through, like I don't know. I enjoyed the whole journey. It was you know it was intense and whatever. But the, but you were definitely brought together with this group of people like in service of this pur- deep purpose. You yeah. know and. And you got really close, you know, um, it, it just kind of aligned you around the same sort of mission and passion and all my, like a lot of my best friends are all still Crispin people. And I could have probably easily been there another five, 10 years. I don't know. You know, um, I had been there a long time. My husband had been there even longer. He was there for like 14 years total. Mm -hmm. Um, we were in a transition where he was in Boulder still. I had found oh, the space in LA. I was already in Boulder. Um, even had he had left and come back to, from DDB Chicago, and I worked long distance for a year from Chicago. Then it was in Boulder for about four years after you know Miami, Chicago, then Boulder, and then mm-hmm. I had actually um, been in LA. And I was oh yeah, you were starting up. I had Crispin started up LA Crispin LA, found space, and was out there building that, and. Um, was there for about a year, but was still living between two cities. So it was like, I think because it was this transitional moment where it's like, okay, now we're about to move our lives to LA um, together. Cause I had been doing it, but it felt like not as real. 
Yeah. Because I was like going back and forth and um, and Dave had not moved to L.A. And what that was hard to we were also, you know, thinking about having kids. And and so we're just at this life moment where we're about to move our whole life now to L.A. And it's like then you're like, wow, OK, it's been 10 years. Like, do I am I staying because I'm still like, you know, interested and curious and learning something every day? Or am I now staying because I've just been here and it's comfortable? And I guess I'm one of those like. I like to be like, I'm comfortable being uncomfortable, you know, like I want to know that I'm always sort of learning and doing new things. And I've been lucky to be a part of places that were growing and becoming different, like Crispin felt like 10 different jobs up to that point. Mm -hmm. But I'd also was starting to be, you know, I was running really big accounts. Um, In some cases, you start to do more traditional type structure and global TV and things like that um, versus some of the smaller, more experiential and experimental stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I just was like, you know, maybe it's time to do something different. And Dave was also getting approached to do some things in New York. We'd kind of always wanted to live in New York at some point, but then it was like, if we don't do it now, we might never. Yeah. And and so we decided to make the leap. Um, I almost considered staying at Crispin from New York, but I'm like, if I'm going to move to New York, let's just do something different. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I met with a lot of people. I met with a lot of different agencies and stuff. And I think I I knew I wanted to be starting something newish, you know, like because I was already in my mindset, like I am going to build this thing in L.A. further. Right. And at that point, it had gone from nobody to about 100 and so people. So wow. it had already grown. Um, and, uh, so I was still wanting, you know, we brought a lot of people, some people from Boulder. And so I was sort of kind of already in build mode and also wanting to try some new thing. You know, I, Mm. I liked being at places that were figuring new models out and experimenting with new technologies or new ways of working. And, um, and I met with Ty and Rose, um, and Neil and um, w- and they just seemed like I didn't even know really what they were doing at the time because it was so yeah. early on. Yeah. But um, but but under but it kind of was aligned with the philosophy. Like I always sort of approached um, advertising in a different way in terms of like what is the story and how do we express that in all different yeah. ways. And that was interesting to me. I I think because I came from you know a more digital background, I knew you worked with all kinds of different people and you know, UX and UI and all these different things, even though there weren't those people when I first started out, you had to do it yourself, but knew the value of other kinds of um, backgrounds. It's more collaborative. More collaborative, you know, you you couldn't just do it in a corner at a coffee shop and it would be, you could sketch it on a napkin, you know, you needed... There are no Other, Don Drapers in the in the digital <laughs> yeah, world. I know they're not the same. Yeah, and so that was already a way I, I already had that philosophy. Um, and I think the idea of um, not having everything under one roof or being a place that makes just a few things, like agencies had started to become very specialized in the the, the output, the tactics, because mm-hmm. holding companies had you guys do this thing and this company do that. And, yeah. and, um, and I knew I didn't want to just make a few things. I wanted to work and solve in all different ways. So mm-hmm. philosophy-wise, I was like, I'm there. Mm-hmm. And I was a little nervous, I have to say, because you're kind of like, oh, am I like exiting advertising and what if I can't get it? What if this doesn't work? And am I going to get a job after this? Like yeah. we don't, you know, and we decided not to enter award shows and to um, not really PR ourselves and be sort of this cross between a consultancy and an agency, yeah. which was sort of like a dirty word 
maybe still is a little bit, but not as everyone's getting into consultancy right, like yeah, world yeah. now. But it was a it was a kind of a weird leap. Um, but I was also like, hey, I've always been of the mindset that you sort of take chances, and if you're learning and experimenting, that you kind of move forward. Yeah. Um, and so, um, you know, I I, it, I I think I made the right move for me, and yeah. um, and I've learned a hell of a lot, you know, and, yeah. and worked on some interesting stuff. Tell us uh, what Co Collective is um, for people who don't. I know. mean, it's a compl- It's always complicated, but. We're essentially um, a cross between a consultancy and an agency at, at its simplest form. We say, um, you know, we're a growth accelerator. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we get involved earlier than tr- most agencies get involved and kind of stay later than, let's say, a consultancy would. Mm-hmm. So we tend to bridge between kind of the business strategy um, and then, you know, into the creative sort of execution of things. Um, we also, at our core, we're co, which is about being really collaborative. So mm-hmm. that's being internally collaborative with strategy and breaking down the silos. We also work really closely, almost like an extension of clients. So mm-hmm. we can be their team, we can work with their internal teams, or we can work even with other agencies or be that agency. We're kind right. of very shapeshifter-like. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and you know, we are agnostic to the outcome. So the solution can be many different things and we'll mm-hmm. bring in even outside groups to, to help us do that. Mm-hmm. And then at the core, we have a philosophy that's around um, doing your story, not telling your story only, so story doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and how does that manifest, you know, across the entire organization? Because I think traditionally story has been added on at the end, right? Yeah. Products are made, things happen. And then you're like, how do we tell the story? Yeah. I think today and it's a fake story yeah it's and it a, might not even a, be real or that yeah. the product story isn't even connected to that and you could maybe get away with just having like a you know this this made up story at the end because you didn't really get a sense to a peek inside the culture or who the people were there or you could you could kind of tell whatever story you wanted yeah. now that doesn't necessarily mean you'll be successful but the best brands have always sort of intrinsically had a story that connected to like its its DNA right, right, right. and and can't story you know, it's such a powerful force. We all, as humans, connect with story. Right. So how um, how do you get story to be earlier on in the process? Like story can drive the products, the experiences, the culture of an organization, you know, the teams that you build. Story has the powerful way of organizing all of those things together. And then ultimately, if it is about amplification and advertising, then that story just then connects um, through even more powerfully. And mm-hmm. and I'd say today, especially as like every, you know, you see brands, you know, go, things going wrong, right? You you say you're one thing in mm-hmm. your advertisement, but at, the, at your core, you are, you know. Or during your presidential campaign. Or your presidential campaign. Or, you know, you th- think things <laughs> like United or whatever, where yeah. their story doesn't align with their actions. Yeah. Like, and everyone knows now, you yeah. know, people know everything and right. your employees are as much, you know, as an ambassador as, you know, the people um, that are the leaders. And mm-hmm. we saw things happen, you know, for bad for clients. Like I remember um, there were a couple of examples that that were I think even story doing kind of philosophy was was even, you know, at Crispin just intrinsically. And yeah. there was we had uh, Domino's as a client and like I think like an like a someone working in a store put a booger on a pizza and yeah. it like the stock price went down you know yeah. you've seen things like um like I'm trying to think what other brands I think when we were working with Best Buy a lot of their employees weren't 
um, they were like texting, you know, texting got big and they were like in the store texting the whole time. And so we would create ideas that engaged employees, you know, through the process. So um, like, the, it's uh, a business problem. How yeah. do we get? How do we get employees to stop? To get engaged and be your ambassadors without saying stop texting, you lazy bastards. Totally. And also, <laughs> I mean, and, and it's not even about getting them to stop. Yeah. But it's like, how do you engage your employees as part of your story? Like they are as much your product and your service. Right. right. So because the, cult- the problem isn't that they're texting. The problem is that they feel like they're not. You're they're not, not part engaged. of your company. They're not right. engaged. You're. They don't have a role. That role there. It's a job or whatever. Yeah. So finding the narrative of your story that sort of can be baked in throughout the whole thing, that's, you know, that becomes part of your product. That becomes yeah. your story, the, the way the employees engage with with your customers. And so, you know, for us, it's like, how do you you put that narrative throughout the whole journey of an experience yeah. for a brand? Um, and, uh, and so we kind of become um, the cohesion of that. Uh-huh. They might have, you know, internal teams and multiple agencies, but today, especially like it used to be, you might have one agency partner. You're working with like 50 different types of agencies. There's right. so many things to get made, yeah. so many different form factors. Uh, you have to be a content producer and all these things, right? Mm-hmm. And I think we have helped found this niche where we really help them create that cohesion across all of those different things. Yeah. Um, but that does mean we don't make everything, you know? Right. And I think it was a, it was an interesting thing to be a creative person and and know that you don't, you aren't going to make every outcome. Like right. you are going to plant the creative seeds, you know? It's going to be an open sourced idea right. that other people might pick up and take, you know, forward. And so it took me a little while being there to realize the impact that we had made, even though I might not have made that one thing where you started to see companies embracing it and starting to make things that you had planted the seed from earlier. And it it affects a lot more, but you can't necessarily right away see that one, you know, commercial that you made. Do they still connect you to that? Does the client still connect you to that Mm -hmm. or do they feel like it's theirs? I think so in that we have a lot of um, reoccurring Pro, like clients through mm-hmm. projects. So we're working with um, Under Armour right now mm-hmm. and the president, uh, the new president of Under Armour, we worked with at Timberland and we worked mm-hmm. with at Aldo. And there are people that, you know, and right. they, and also the language goes out there. We've been presented back to like, you know, in our like work to us, we've gotten briefed with work that we gave someone else. Like, oh, so our, our, our language seeds yeah. out into the world um, or, you know, like, we name their their target or we mm-hmm. um you know the 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 quest that we help them develop kind of comes back to us or you see out in the world or yeah. you see one of your clients talking about being a story doer um and so i think they link us back in that um yeah. but you know you don't you it's you, you're sometimes like hey i didn't directly make that thing but i was definitely a big part of it which is which is kind of cool to be to have that sort of footprint right but it's hard for a lot of creatives to yeah. let go of the ego Totally. And I mean, not be like you're going to be the person that's going to make all this happen and be a superstar. You know, it's it's it's, it's a you know I would say younger people coming out of school get it because I think there's an impact they want to make and mm-hmm. there's a lot of frustration with getting told to make a thing and you're like why this what is this going to do and why does this matter and yeah. how does this relate back to whatever so people wanting to feel like you know more purpose in their work and having more impact yeah um, so um, 
you know, young people coming out of school actually have a much different perspective I've found. And even I've hired people that come from different worlds, like IDOs of the world or have gone client side and agency side. And and there's less that like, this has to be my thing. And if you look at the best ideas today, the ones that like are viral, you know, online Mm -hmm. or like, you, they, you sometimes don't even know where they come from, right? right? They stem from somewhere, but they become everybody's and they shape into something that maybe didn't even look like the thing it started. And I think the more a creative idea is something that other people can own yeah. is when you really can make the most impact where they feel like they, it's theirs and they can change it and turn it yeah. into something else. But but there's a thread there that you kind of see where it came from. And so for me, that that that's where you can really have the most sort of cultural impact to an idea. Right. Um, and it doesn't have to be so closed and locked and, you know, and, and you can yeah. allow it to sort of be free, but you have to be okay with it changing. And that's yeah. a hard thing too, I think, for for most creative people coming from the world where I need this confined. I need to win an award yeah. and get, yeah. get the, um, um, what advice would you give to, to um, a young person who maybe wants to work at, at Co-Collective or, or work for Tiffany Rolf? Um, I mean, I like, I always say to people, like, don't try to fit into like one box if that's not what you are. And Mm -hmm. usually I find people are, are this mixture of different kinds of talents. Right. And I think we used to have to choose a bit, like you have to decide, are you an art director? Are you a writer? Are you a strategist? Are you a creative? Are you, and I think now as you have to be a lot more and different kinds of things. Um, and so being open to sort of all your sides, um, you still, you know, often have a superpower, but, but embracing sort of all the different interests that you have. So you can just be a, you know, more well-rounded creative person, mm-hmm. um, caring, I think about, about the business of things. I think we've gotten a bit trapped in that creative people are sort of precious, you know, and they're sheltered from the challenges of the business and the budgets. And, and it's been interesting being a creative person that runs a business. And I think having an understanding of the world and reality and business creates better creative leaders. Mm -hmm. I think we've been a little bit out of the picture, the business side of things, maybe too caught up in you know, did this win an award versus did this really change? Did this impact people? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, caring about those things, I think, um, you know, something that matters. So, so you know, being interested in that side of it and, and curious there, um, I think not being afraid to try a different kind of place. Um, you know, Crispin at the time when I went was 40 people and it was in Miami and kind of yeah. weird and at didn't it, do yeah. TV. Out and in the middle of nowhere. And, uh, but I saw something in that, like, you know, so finding interesting opportunities because of the people or the yeah. kinds of philosophies and, um, you know, a little bit off the beaten path can sometimes lead to getting you into a much bigger platform. Mm-hmm. Um, so taking some risks sometimes and not being afraid to kind of experiment and and try new things because, yeah. you know, the people that have had interesting diverse experience and then they come to you, it's like they've lived Mm -hmm. and they bring something totally new to the table. And, and that just makes a better, you know, well, more well-rounded creative. Um, and I think we're in a more niche world today where all these little niche, you know, backgrounds and understandings and passions actually are, can be huge and, and a big benefit for, for young people, you know, being different. And, um, and the only other thing is, you know, is making, um, I mean, 
young people have been making their whole lives now. They just know how to do it. And so in some ways they have more of an advantage than any of us. It's just a natural thing. Um, And so showing that side and, and, and just, you know, putting things out there. Um, If anything, I regret just all the things that I've had ideas for that I just didn't end up making, you know, that I could have. And so, you know, I probably would have been rich by now (laughs) if I had just done it for myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so just get out there and and make. Well, that's a great way to end. Cool. Thank you, Tiffany Rolfe. Thanks. So that was my chat with Tiffany. A lot of great gems in there. A lot of really good advice for anybody who wants to become more creative and learn new things. I think she is uh, one of the smartest people in the biz. And uh, this has been The A-List, brought to you by Ad House Advertising School. I'm Tom Chrisman. Thank you for listening. Please rate us and subscribe us on the iTunes, because apparently that is the way to, uh, to get the eyeballs on your stuff. And then uh, you want to you wanna share it with a friend and tell them, hey, this A-List podcast is awesome. You should listen to it. And uh, yeah, maybe hashtag. I don't know. Use the hashtags? You could use the hashtags. Hashtag ad house? I don't know. Hashtag the A-List? I don't know. Podcast? There's so many hashtags you could use. If you want to be interviewed for an upcoming episode, contact us through adhouse.com nyc.com. I'm Tom Chrisman. You can find me on all the uh, relevant social medias under the name Mongo Industries. And uh, the A-List is recorded at Gramercy Post. You can find them at gramercypost.com. They're right here in New York City. They're in our building. So if you come visit them, you got to come visit us. And this has been great. Our engineer, as always, is Matt Stillo. Thanks, Matt. And our, our producer today is Casey V. Thanks, Casey. All right. That's it. 